0: So hello everybody and welcome back to Folk on Falcons. I'm Philip Mundy and joining me is... Ian Joseph. This week we will review our throwing the points away away at Gloucester. We'll look forward to the Irish in a fortnight's time. Speak about our new signing, Mr Ferns. I'd also mention the good news which is fans being allowed back into Kingston Park before the end of the season which I think everyone will be quite pleased to hear. As always you can find us on social media.
1: Yep. Yeah, so on Facebook it's at... Folk on Falcons, you'll see our faces on the picture, and um, Twitter is the same, uh, at Folk on Falcons, again, the same picture, and if you'd like to send us a direct email, it's Folk on Falcons at Mail.com.
0: Great stuff. So, there's only one place to start, and I think that is the the masterclass in throwing a game away, which we experienced on Saturday. I'd, I'd love to think of some suitable adjectives, but it
1: was, it was just bad, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, it didn't look like that way from the start. Um, oh, I thought in terms of generally the first few minutes, we looked as good as we've probably been all season. Um, you know, we, we looked really dangerous as we did at the start of the season, sort of bashing it up in the, in the opposition 22. Um, disappointing that we conceded their well their first try the way we did, but we you know we came straight back into it. We obviously then get counter uh, second try after that. Um, And then, you know, we were the better team in the second half. I think it was a case of sort of, well, can we really sort of get the fourth try now, maybe sort of have the game dead and buried by half-time, you know, actually get that elusive try bonus point. But being the negative person I am, um, I fought at half-time. I remember saying to you that I wasn't particularly very comfortable at the scoreline, even though obviously it looked good on, on paper, because... I thought Gloucester would obviously be, you know, they would come out firing second half. They wouldn't be as bad as they were in the first half. And the wind obviously proved to be a decisive factor and I was worried that we just didn't take advantage of, of the wind and really we should have got more points up. Um, I know we wait at the end of the first half. We just spent a lot of time defending heroically and that was, obviously that was well done by us. But again, that was sort of time wasted where we couldn't get points on the board with the wind Um, so you know and I was worried about you know what happened with wasps what happened with harlequins as well Um, and I was obviously we were sort of just hoping that wouldn't happen again Um, unfortunately it did though didn't it you could tell straight away in the second half Gloucester were on top they had the wind they got the early points in there in the second half and it was you know I think by that season the writing was very much on the wall it was a pretty disastrous second half wasn't
0: it yeah like you say it starts off very well, um, as opposed to giving away a couple of tries to, to the opposition before things got going. We got them ourselves, and you started thinking, oh, this is going to be a, a, a good one. We might get our first winning bonus point. Um, and then, obviously, very quickly it changed. Um, I think that a, a lot has to be said for our starting 15. Um, our pack was as good as it ever will be. Mickey Young and Conor both played quite well, and it was good to see Burrell... And Orlando in the centres. I, I feel that they played very well when they're on the pitch together. Out wide, it was it wasn't makeshift. We had wingers in uh, Abona and Wakoki, and then we had Penny at fullback. And I, I feel that basically until it got out to the outside channels, both in attack and defence, we were very much the better team. It's just that in our outside channels, we had um, not even our second string wingers, and they're up against Johnny May and Reece Summit, who are arguably two of the best wings, and they're certainly in contention for Lions selection, so that, that kind of summed up the difference in the first half, and throughout the match I think, I felt that whenever Gloucester played two or three phases, space appeared, um, and they exploited it very well as well. Their third try, where they ran it from their own 22, it was just a clear example of the ability that they have out wide, versus our f- frustrating inability to defend out wide at the minute we keep turning our shoulders in and then when if you do that fine you got to go and do a man and ball tackle or cut the pass off but if you turn your shoulders and don't rush up in defense then you just give the winger a a waltz down the line because you can't react in time and um time and again that's what happened and then in the second half we seem to at some point decide we're going to start doing box kicks to re-stam it which is just suicide i don't know what the what the thought process was to do that um but we were doing it not just one offs it was repeatedly we're kicking it to their back three and instantly either getting that hoofed miles down the pitch beyond where we kicked it from or they ran it back at us and made yards under the high ball throughout the whole game they were much better than us so i don't really know what the point in doing up and under is when you know you're not going to win them i think when we had the ball in hand and we kept it tight We actually looked like the better side, but for whatever reason, we changed the winning formula that we had for the start of the game, and at the end of it,
1: we got punished. Yeah, well, I think you've hit the nail on the head there with three of them. Well, three of those issues, actually. Um, First one being how exposed we end up out wide. I mean, they always pick it out on TV about how quickly our defence does rush up and how tight we can be. Now, often that does work, and that's why our defence a lot of the time and for large portions of every game it's actually pretty good but it does leave you exposed out wide and you know as you mentioned in terms of the positioning of the wingers how the boys are turned inwards and they can't really cope with if it does get flung out wide um, It's just, but it's also I think what is killing us is, is the missed tackles isn't it we see it every game is that there's far too many missed tackles you, you could almost say every game pretty much we've conceded one certainly since the turn of the year one try at least a game where we've just completely missed tackles um, and it's killing us. Like if you just if you miss your tackles out wide, you're not going to win many games, and that's what's happening. Um, in terms of penalty count, which I think has been a problem throughout the season, I think that has got better actually. Yes, there were a whole string of penalties at the end of the first half, but that just comes from being under pressure on your own line. Um, but I think generally those were better. Um, you're right. We um, you mentioned it as well in texting me about game management, and that does include the, the ridiculous box kicks. So, it was obvious that they weren't working, um, and again, you venture about the personnel. If it's not working, and you're kicking it to personnel like, you know, like your Rezamets, you're just asking for trouble. Um, and they just seem to keep doing it, and it quite, quite clearly wasn't working. Um, and I think, I mean, Schroeder was maybe under direction for that, but it didn't help when Mickey Young went off at time. You could tell he picked up a knock when he sort of kicked the ball out for half-time, and that, I think, did change sort of the pace of how we played as well, um, which obviously didn't help things. Um, and, yeah, I think um, – I mean, Richards did mention it as well in terms of the injuries, but I think – I'm not sure, I mean, it is a factor but I thought actually, even though we did have an imbalance of front rowers on in our pack, it didn't seem to make a huge amount of difference the set piece was still fine won a scrum penalty, even with an imbalanced scrum, uh, we line outs were still just about functioning even if our sort of main jumpers you know, Robinson's and even Fruza went off after coming off Peterson went off, still sort of functioned, but yeah um, we just, you know, we mentioned it before in terms of Wasps and Harlequins, we just seem to be really, specialists at throwing away sort of what advantages we do have, really. Um, and it's it's such a shame because it was a really, it was a really, really winnable game and it's just sort of, well, gone the wayside now. One of the things that, I don't know we keep mentioning
0: it, the season where we came fourth, one of the things that season was we had the McLeods, the Lawsons, the players that had really got the experience under their belt. And in that season, we saw out games, the amount of games we won by two or three points or one was the last kick of a game. That's what made us finish in the top four that year. And I feel like that experience is where the game management is. And I know we've got Toby Flood and Burrell and Mickey Young who have all, all done up, but we we don't have years and years of experience in the kind of the loose five in the pack. Um we've got internationals. Then they're not in their thirties, they haven't got those extra years onto their belt. And I just feel like sometimes a bit rabbit in the headlights whereas watching the match i felt that if we'd have shoved up our jumper we could have made a yard a yard a yard got a penalty kicked it to the corner and then two things you're either going to score some points or if you do give the ball away then they're 90 meters from your trial and there's not too much danger and we kept doing passes very close to the contact area more or less at the time that people are going to get tackled and yeah like 60% 60% of the time they, they work, but if you string two 60% passes together, then that's 40% chance it doesn't happen, and then another 40% chance it doesn't happen. And what's the mental math here? That's a 64% chance of it going wrong if you do two of them in quick succession. And yes, when, when it goes to hand, and you get a half break, fantastic. But let's be honest, the half breaks aren't frequent. They're a couple of them again and all we do is give the ball away to teams at a set piece when we give away scrums. I don't know. Frustrating.
1: Yeah, I guess sort of leading on to what you said there, um, paddling errors, I think especially in the forwards in the second half as well, pretty, pretty crucial because when we were at points where we looked like we could get in some good positions. It was standard stuff of sort of just knocking the ball on. Um, and that sort of killed us as well, because every time we tried to sort of get any possession, territory, any momentum going, it just went. And it's, as you say, it, it seems to be lots of sort of close passes, um, sort of, you know, if they do come out, what do come off rather, and you do get the half break, then fantastic. But as you say, they're incredibly risky. And I think there was maybe too much of that but I think also it's just the unforced errors um, you just don't, the, the impression I get is you just don't see a lot of other teams do that, well do the same amount of sort of unforced errors that we do or when we do have the unforced errors they often lead to us getting hammered in, in terms of conceding points um, so I think that does lead in the fact of perhaps lack of experience there, perhaps in the way they play, perhaps the rushing things, I, I, perhaps a panic setting, I don't know but Also, I would have liked to have seen Flood maybe come on earlier to sort of orchestrate things a bit better, especially when the wind was against us. Um, I thought maybe he could have pulled the strings a bit better in the second half just have that extra experience there and sort of keep things ticking over perhaps a bit better um as you say we're, as we're talking about sort of perhaps more experienced older heads um i think that would have been a real good opportunity for him to come on and maybe steady the ship a bit and, or maybe just put him straight at half time knowing full well that you're going to be up against it because of the uh, because of the wind but you know um uh, obviously he didn't and he came on obviously quite late and i think it was probably gone by that point anyway I know why you're
0: saying that, but I still feel that Flood is carrying an injury. And one of the things we see a lot with Conan is he drops back field and Fields bear hoofs down the pitch because he kicks it back to them, and Toby Flood doesn't do that. Um, he defends in the defensive line, whereas Conan quite often sweeps or whatever. And I feel that, obviously, we decided we're going to kick it in the second half. Why we decided we're going to kick it when they've got the wind, I've got no idea. But flood he's still not comfortable kicking out of hand when he kicked that penalty into touch it was from our own five meter line ish it went out probably on our own 10 meter line and you could just see in that kick that he wasn't comfortable doing it and he had to do it because he was the only kick or person decent at kicking on the pitch but um he's definitely still carrying an injury there so i think that may have been a factor perhaps in decision making
1: yeah, perhaps. Um, I mean, to be fair to Colin, I don't think he did much wrong, really. I thought his, especially his, well, all his kicking was exceptional. I mean, maybe when Burrell came off, I know obviously he's a very different type of player, but perhaps he could have played full in the centre there. Um, maybe that would have been the, the best way to do it. But, I mean, let, let's face it, the um, second half was pretty dreadful. I'm not sure if any sort of personnel change would have made a huge amount of difference, really. Um, it was already, The right was on the wall, Gloucester came out, you know, all firing all cylinders, they had the wind. Um, it was a sort of that period in the first half where we... Sorry, the first period in the second half where we conceived all those tries. and It was sort of a... You know, you knew by that stage that it was only going to pretty much go one way. Um, so maybe they could have tinkered with the personnel, but I think, quite frankly, it was a pretty pretty poor second half, and I think not much could have been done about it in terms of personnel, unfortunately. I think we need to park this touch before we keep going on and on about it. I think overall...
0: Threw it away, not terribly impressive and very disappointing after a promising start. But while we're talking about changes of personnel, um, obviously um, there's been the the movement in and out of the second row over the last couple of weeks that we mentioned, um, with Barry going away and Salmon being recalled. But um, we've also made a new signing.
1: Yeah, so um, I'm sure many of you would have seen on. Club official website or various social medias. Uh, Carl Ferns has joined us and is already training, and I don't know when he'll be available, but it will be at some point this season. Um, I mean, when you talk about sort of an individual as as a signing, I think he's an excellent player, um, really, really strong ball carrier. And, you know, again, we've talked about experience maybe in the loose five, and here he is. Um, very much been around the block, and I mean that in a good way. He's been, you know, he's been doing it in the Heineken Cup. For in France, in the he's been playing for played for years in the Premiership with Bath and Sale. We we know what he's all about. Um, he's going to improve any squad. My only 2 well not really concerns. Um, part one is, but um, if you were to ask, I suppose Eddie falcons fan, if there was one position or one area of the, of the team that we don't need strengthening, it'll probably be back row and we have another back rower. Um. I mean, maybe the thinking behind that is the fact that apparently he's already based in concert anyway, so it makes sense in that regard. But also, if if you could have Wilson and Graham regularly picked for obviously their their respective countries, then there's obviously going to be more scope to have, uh, or greater need rather, to have more cover in the back row. So obviously he'll fit in perfectly there. I just hope also that there isn't some sort of secret transfer gone on that hasn't been revealed yet where we're going to lose one of our back rowers but we'll have to see but i think generally it's a, it's a positive signing. yeah like you
0: say um, i hope there's no one leaving from the back row because i think it would be a shame if any of them went but what i would also add is that second row we are quite thin on the ground and there might be the view that potentially robinson might move from six to lock I, I don't know whether that would be something where would you put ferns at six and then robinson and lock if particularly this weekend when we showed Injuries-wise, um, we are we are a bit low on um, depth somewhat in that respect.
1: Yeah, um, potentially. I mean, I would still have Peterson and Frizzer as your second rows. The question is obviously who do you play as Because you you, you you know you lose three now because obviously Wilson, you have Wilson, Graham, Ferns. There. I mean, would they, would they be your your starting three? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess the idea is you, you build up a squad because you know, you don't normally get the same players playing week in, week out, whether it's injuries or internationals or whatever. Um, so yeah, m- maybe it does allow Robinson to go into the second row, but we'll have to see. I mean, we don't know what are the signings that, well, generally, what are the coming and goings that are going to be. So uh, we'll just have to wait and see. But yeah, I look forward to seeing him playing and hopefully you get a good few minutes, well, towards the end of this
0: season, I suppose. Our next game is a fortnight's time against London Irish. So I guess that's enough time for him to have done Whatever quarantine he needs to do after coming from France and getting settled in with the squad, I know you need to learn all the line up calls, etc. But um, I'd like to think that that's enough time for him to get stuck into things and feel part of the team and know what's going on,
1: yeah. Well, I mean, as the website already says, he's obviously been training with us for uh, probably about a week now or so. Um, but yeah, I mean, like with all these things, especially in professional sport, it does take time to kind of get up to. Not only match fitness, but in terms of sort of knowing how the squad plays, and especially the forward in terms of calls for for lineouts and and what and whatever. But um, yeah, I, I don't think it should be too long. I mean, as long as he's fully fit, I can't see why he can't sort of play some part towards in the season, and even yeah, even maybe make a cameo or, or whatever against London Irish, or maybe play against the, for the home game against Southampton.
0: Yeah, so that London Irish one's um, in two weeks' time because we unfortunately got absolutely hammered by Leicester in Europe. So I think the semi-finals of the, the Challenge Cup are next weekend, which we would have been in had we won. So um, unless there's groundbreaking news, unfortunately, we'll uh, not be giving you a podcast next week. We'll, we'll have a week off and try and uh, I don't know, be popular with our other halves or, or what have you, as opposed to shutting ourselves away in for hours. Further to that, um, that means there's only a couple more games before we get the opportunity to... Go back to Kingston Park and see matches. Not quite sure the ins and outs of it yet. I'm not sure the club necessarily know the ins and outs of it. But in summary, we or well, Kingston Park has been selected as a trial venue for spectators being allowed into stadiums.
1: Yeah, so it was announced earlier on this week that um, indeed, as you say, that fans will be allowed to return for the home match against Northampton, which has now been moved because of that to a half seven kickoff on Monday the 17th of May. Um, in terms of how many fans going to be allowed in no idea the club doesn't really know yet i don't think Um, they said they will update everyone in due course um i mean i imagine it'll be season ticket holders will get first priority which you know is only fair really um i'm hoping i'll be able to grab myself a ticket but uh, again we'll, we'll have to see Um, uh, and in terms of the ruling i mean i'm not sure exactly how many are allowed if it's Something like you and I were sort of a quarter of the stadium full, or it's something like four thousand fans, or a quarter of the stadium, whatever's lower, or something like that. So, I mean, it may only be a couple of thousand supporters or something, um, but we'll have to see, see what the club says. But you know, it, at any rate, it's obviously very positive, and it's a massive step to sort of normality, isn't it? Um, whether, I, I mean, maybe you correct me on this. I don't know if the rule, if it means that we can have fans. But, our last remaining home games of the season um, or is it just for this game and then really it's next season we'll start to get sort of all the fans back but uh, anyway it's still obviously very positive
0: I think our last game of the season might be when fans would be allowed in anyway under the stage of the protest that it is at that point but um, I I think it would make sense to me if they give this season's season ticket holders first priority back if I'm honest I can't imagine too many people will have bought them, given that unless they bought them really early in 2020 for the season ahead, I can't see too many people having bought them. So then I guess the next logical and, I don't know, fair rationale would be give it to those who missed a game out of the season that was curtailed because they never got their full whack of matches. Whether or not they give them for free, I don't know. Season ticket holders, surely get them for free. But then the prior years, season ticket holders, do you just give them priority or... Or what? But um, yeah. However, it works out. Great news, and hopefully everyone knows the right people and they can manage to get one somehow. Because I think it's going to be one of these ones where it's definitely going to be a case of who you know that um, determines who gets into it. Because I'm not sure that many will go on public sale, and those that do probably get snapped up very quickly.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I'd say I'm going to try my best to uh, maybe use some contacts or keep an eye on the website regularly. But yeah, um, I mean for from a personal point of view you know if i get to go i get to go if not then you know so be it i mean i as we say i think season ticket holders whether it's this season or the season before definitely should get priority um and maybe hopefully for the worcester game which is the last home game of the season maybe more tickets be released we'll have to see but yeah um looking forward to it anyway you know even if i can't get tickets it'd be nice to actually see some supporters on the on the tv for a change
0: just have to hope that we're all sensible and don't mean that uh, Fans of stadiums get banned because of ruckus behaviour amongst the Falcons
1: fans in the south stand, I don't know. Well, maybe the the rule where no singing's allowed, so as long as everyone keeps quiet, maybe. (laughs) Only invite the east stand.
0: One other game that we mentioned last week that we need to pay a bit of attention to this week was the Saracens-Ealing one. Saracens played the big boys and the result reflected that. I think it finished 48 points to 20 with plenty of tries scored by Saracens and Ealing unfortunately didn't get a bonus point. At half-time, they were still in it. It was 23-13 23-13 at half time, but yeah, it looks like Saracens are really uh, turning up now after their first game against Cornish
1: Pirates, when it went a bit wrong for them. Yeah, well, I mean, i say they've got their big names out now. Um, I mean, similarly to the Saracens performances for England, um, I think, I just think Saracens are just as a club in terms of their squad just weren't there really at the start of the season. Um, that's what reflected in a few surprise results, um, but now they've got, now they're obviously getting up to speed, they've got all their I mean big hitters back I think it's going to be as really we all expected that they would sort of wipe the floor of every team including including Ealing I can't really see how I mean Ealing will finish second but I mean I can't see how they're going to overturn a two-legged playoff final really to um to, to, to even put into the question in people's mind should they get get, get promoted um but yeah, uh, I mean, it was... Sorry, we had our fingers crossed, didn't we? But unfortunately, it's kind of passed out, really, uh, the way we thought it was going to be. So, the two-legged playoff
0: final is due to be on the 12th and 19th of June. Will that clash with the Lions tour, or the issues that the Premiership are experiencing, or English clubs in general, with um, Lions players being um, expected to be available?
1: So, yeah, um, actually... I remember sort of half reading this not so long ago so um, Lions obviously have the warm-up games the first one is the one actually in Edinburgh isn't it um, against Japan now that's on 26th of June so you know I guess if you're selecting or thinking about selecting saracen's players you, you, you know i guess of any sort of Lions squad you want the players to be embedded and you know all sort of trained together fairly early on um is the 26th of june too soon i mean they, they play the stormers on the 3rd of july as their first sort of warm-up game in south africa um so it, I, I guess maybe it raises some sort of interesting questions there about sort of saracen's player selection because of the of the final, and then maybe do Saracens feel obliged to not play some of their big names to the final because the players want to go and play for the Lions? I don't know, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll have to see, but yeah, it's something which sort of could crop up there um, looking at the, the dates of the Lions tour.
0: Yeah, the, I think the first Lions match is the 26th, so one would assume that Saracens will get them for the 19th and then they'll be released the following week, but I know that Gatland wants... Um, a lot of players to be with the squad for, I think, 10 days before the, the match. So it could be one of these ones where they play the play the big guns in the first of the matches in the final, but not the second leg fixture. Wait and see, but maybe one that could become quite interesting because when Saracens didn't have their internationals,
1: things were very different when they played Ealing. Well, yeah. Um, as you say, I mean, there's so many maybes with that because it depends how far ahead Saracens are on the first leg. Or, or it, it could just be that you know, Gatland might say, "All right, yeah, you can join us three days later, or whatever." Um, I mean, who knows? I mean, there's so many sort of if buts and babies with that. Um, I, I'll I expect they'll find a way for Saracens to to win the championship, whatever way that is, and for the players to join the Lions one way or another, and to play some part in that first warm up game against Japan. Yeah, I think when you say it, I think they'll find a way. They will. It's been constructed in a way
0: such that Saracens are going to get promoted. And to be fair, they're, they're the best team in the championship, as they proved yesterday. So you can't really have too many complaints about that. If we move on to the, the rest of the premiership results for this weekend. On Friday, I know we've said Bristol are the best team in the country the last few weeks, but Exeter beat them 20 points to 12. So I think Exeter showed sure that they're, they're not a walkover. And they're, they're definitely still in contention for the outright title. Um, still in Bristol's hands, they need to... Throw away their advantage um, they've got, but um, extra now only one victory behind them. On Saturday, less about our game the better. Um, London Irish lost to Harlequins twenty-one twenty-five. Leicester lost out eighteen points to twenty-three against Northampton, and Worcester almost beat Sale thirty-two thirty-five. Once again, Sale only just getting home and hosed. Um, today being Sunday, the final Premiership game was. Wasp scoring thirty nine points to Bath's twenty nine, which um, I think that was an absolute cracker. I haven't seen the highlights yet, but um, I saw a few
1: score updates that seemed to be that tries, tries, tries. Uh, yeah, it's interesting with the uh, Bristol Exeter one because. As you say, we're all sort of singing Bristol's praises, saying that this season, certainly they seem to be way ahead of everyone else. But I do wonder the fact that maybe because Exeter have sort of been there and done it, yes, by their sort of standards, they've had what's probably a bit of a disappointing season so far. But it's very likely that those two teams are going to be in the final. Now, the fact that Exeter, as I've said, have sort of been there, done it, not only win it, but have also lost it as well. Maybe maybe that'll work in their favour, maybe just on the day, which is all that matters, I suppose, in the in the format that it is, on the day, maybe Exeter to sort of turn up and sort of kind of show what they're all about. So, you know, this 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 league is by no means done and dusted. I mean Bristol will finish top, but what does that mean nowadays, especially if Exeter gonna finish second anyway, so they'll both get home ties in the semi final. So that's that's pretty interesting that. Um I wouldn't write Exeter off just yet.
0: Yeah, so if we just run down the uh... Premiership table and the way it stands. Bristol have 66, Exeter have 58, Sale have 55, closely followed by Harlequin's with 54, and Northampton um, still waiting in the wings for a slip-up by either of those two. They've got 50. London Irish have 42, Bath have 41, Leicester have 39, Worcester's 36, Then there's a bit of a gap opening up now with Gloucester on 31. We've only got 30, and Worcester have 21. This is kind of how we saw it panning out at the start of the year, perhaps. Um, Worcester and us at the bottom had we not been in fourth position when they axed relegation
1: do you think they would have axed relegation or do you think they would have just let it play its course and I, I think the plan was always to ax relegation I still suspect that they still will completely ax relegation but um, it is disappointing to see sort of how far we, we've dropped really um, and I'm a bit worried actually I know it's nine points um, over Worcester but you know the thing is, Worcester seem to yes they they lose, but they seem to pick up bonus points. So that gap is sort of steadily closing. While we just don't seem to pick. When we lose, we tend to sort of unfortunately seem to lose pretty heavily. Um, so you know we're just not we're just not picking up enough points. So uh, I suspect the nine points is probably going to be enough for us to uh, sort of not finish bottom, which I think has got to be the objective this season. I mean, I suppose we've got to look in a bit of context and that if you told us the start of the season by this date would be nine points ahead of Worcester who are bottom, then we would absolutely snap your hand off. We'd be ecstatic. But obviously, you know, considering the start of the season we had and looking at performances, I don't think we can be too sort of pleased. And that has been a bit disappointing, obviously. Well, a bit more, a bit disappointing in, in recent months. But I do, going back to your question, just relegation, I think no to be honest I think there was always a plan to not have it this season really and I think you know I think that we just got to sort of take it down the fact that let's just try and not finish bottom which I suppose the bottom line is that's a successful season but you know so I guess in the con- wider context we can to be a bit disappointing
0: yeah it's interesting we've got I know it's difficult to say because of the cancellations and things but we've got the fewest points scored in the Premiership now but defensively we're actually the fifth best. We're not a million miles off um, sale and Harlequins have conceded loads more points, since, but they get, they've got, they've scored the most themselves. They've, they've scored, uh, what's that, seventy points more than Bristol. So I think it just shows that you need to have point scorers to climb the table. It's all very well having a good defence, which we've got, but um, it's getting tries that counts. Always has yeah. been It's rugby.
1: Yeah, well, it's like any sport. You know, if you outscore your opponent, you're, you're going to you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna win, aren't you? Um, and that's obviously something we just can't do. But that's always, you know, when you need the X-Factor players and the big budget players, I suppose, which, you know, well, we're going to be lacking in comparison to other teams. Um, and again, even if you, the, the defence, well, your, if your defence in a game, for 80% of that match is going to be really good, but you still can see a lot of points in that twenty percent, and you can't obviously recoup those points with twice, You know, with, with you scoring points yourself, and you're going to lose games. And that that's really it sounds simple, but I guess that's kind of what's been happening. And that generally our defense is very good in games, um, but we have periods where we just all just phases where we concede really early points, and we just don't have the attacking edge to kind of to claw it back really, or to build up any sort of sizable leads, or to see games out. And that's I guess. The story of the season so far, really. Yeah, certainly is the story of the so far, but it's very much becoming the story
0: of the season, full stop, because there's not all that long left. We've only got five more games now, so mathematically, we can still finish top six, but I don't think it's a realistic prospect. Um, so I think we just got to, like we said last week, play for a bit of pride, and we could theoretically finish in probably eighth or ninth if we got some results, another one's going our way, but um, I think we just got to Aim to not finish bottom because that doesn't look too clever, especially if you're trying to attract players in the next season. They don't want to end up in a
1: situation where they're going to be scrapping it out of the bottom of the league. Yeah, and I think also the fact that you are just a newly promoted team, and I mean the the club's official line seems to be that we want relegation abolished. And I think if you, I think it probably. Maybe it doesn't really matter so much, but I think it does help your cause if you don't finish bottom because you're not just saying it because you finish bottom. Um, you know, and I think it does prove a point to say, well, you know, we are a team that is capable of of not being a adrift at the bottom, even finishing bottom, but yet, yeah, you know, we're still saying we don't think our the club's official line is that we don't think relegation is right. Um, so, but I, I think also in also terms, as you say, player attraction, maybe a bit more sort of money or whatever. It's all about just trying to finish as high as we can now. Um I still think we'd have to have well, Woods would have to have quite a turnaround and I think we would have to probably be a bit worse for a uh, us to finish bottom. But yeah, that's gonna be the target now is to not finish bottom and just just let's just try and do the best we can and just try and get as high up in the league as we can. I mean, even if you finish sort of tenth now, I think that would be a pretty good finish really, all things considered. So, you know, let's just sort of have a good go at the end of the season.
0: Exactly. Let's have a good go. And um Let's hope you have a good go in a fortnight when we next speak to you. So thanks for listening, everybody. Goodbye. Bye, everyone.